You're listening to the podcast of The Branch in Ashland, Virginia. Love may cause us to feel a number of things, but fear shouldn't be one of them. Perfect love casts out fear. And if we claim the love of God, that love should be in us and should be seen in us. In John's first letter, he talks more about this love that casts out fear. And that's what we look at today. Recently, one of the largest uh, Protestant denominations dropped a 300-page report on sexual abuse within that denomination. And the report describes how, I quote, top church leaders suppressed and mishandled abuse claims, resisted reforms, and belittled victims in their families. A 2019 report by the Houston Chronicle and San Antonio Express News revealed that nearly 400 leaders from youth pastors to top ministers had pleaded guilty or been convicted of sex crimes against more than 700 victims since 1998. This kind of news doesn't exactly instill confidence in the church or its leaders. And it doesn't exactly portray a, a good Christ-like picture of the bride of Christ. Um, in fact, it probably evokes fear and shame and doubt and frustration and confusion, anger, so many more things. It's a far cry from the message of hope and love and forgiveness that I think Jesus came to bring to us. The gospel is a message of meeting people in the darkness of their wherever they are and then drawing them out of that in renewal, in restoration, in redemption. And that message coming from people um, should not be a message that's coming from people who are causing abuse. And you never would expect that the ones who are bringing a message like that would be the ones who would cause that kind of thing. Those who have been entrusted with this message, again, none of us are perfect, but we do have an expectation of that message being consistent with with who we are and and how we act. And so what does it say when, when those who claim this message of Jesus, this life-giving message of Jesus are in some ways taking life away, maybe not physically, but emotionally. I think it diminishes our beliefs. I think it diminishes our commitment to the gospel message. In March 2021, a Gallup poll found that only 47% of U.S. adults were members of a church, synagogue, or mosque. That's the first time in history that that number had fallen below 50%. If we dig deeper, further statistics show that there's been a significant decline specifically in Protestant denominations from 51% in 2011 to 40% in 2021. Like, sit in that for a minute. That's an 11% decrease in 10 years in the involvement of people in the church. Is it really a disinterest that's driving people away from the church? Or could it be that our representation of Jesus is a far cry from the Jesus that we read about in the Bible? 
We can easily get discouraged by all these numbers, these facts, these statistics, but should we? Should we sit in the discouragement of that or should we say, how can we move out of this? How can we begin to, to represent Jesus in a way that we see more in Scripture? I, I know my tendency is to look at everything that's wrong and say, wow, this, this stinks. How do I move out of it? But sometimes I don't even get out of the movement stuff. Some of us like to sit in that, that sorrow and grief. We've been in this series talking about fear over these last few weeks. And as we wrap up and then do our, our Q&A next week, I think um, we are seeking hope and, and love and comfort in, in what God says to us in His Word. And I think there's a good word in, in 1 John chapter 4 that, that we can um, take something from. Uh, this morning. So if you have a Bible, you can turn to 1 John chapter 4. It'll be up on the screen as well. Starting in verse 13, reading in the New International Version. That's the version that'll be on the screen. John writes this. He says, this is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He's given us of his spirit. And we've seen and testify that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we'll have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we're like Jesus. There's no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they've seen cannot love God whom they've not seen. And he's given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. And Paul wrote in 2 Timothy 1.7, and this is the English Standard Version. He said, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And when we look at that verse coupled with um, John's words in verse 13, we know that God gives us of His Spirit. When we say, hey, I believe that Jesus is who he says he is, then we have the Spirit of God in us. And that Spirit is not a spirit of fear. It's a Spirit that's completely contradictory towards fear. But the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives is an indicator to people that we are living in God and that God is living in us. You know, we see throughout Scripture that uh, there definitely, even in John's Gospel, he talks about what Jesus said about who the Holy Spirit is, that he's a comforter and, and he convicts us. I think it's really important when we look at all of Scripture to know who the Holy Spirit is to us. To say, he's not just a comforter that we say, hey, when I'm feeling down, the Holy Spirit lifts me up. But he is a convictor, and he also is not a spirit of fear. 
if we have the Holy Spirit in us and we aren't allowing him to do a work in and through us, then we have to ask ourselves two questions. The first one's this, am I suppressing the Spirit within me? So in other words, if I attest to Jesus as Lord and the Holy Spirit is living within me and I'm hearing something from him, am I just kind of pressing him down and saying later, later, or I don't want to hear it? And the second thing is this, is the Spirit really within me? You know, if we are acting contradictory to the Holy Spirit, if, if there are even feelings in us sometimes that seem contradictory, like consistently, not once in a while, but like consistently, then we've got to ask ourselves, is the Spirit really within me? I, I think that if people don't see us as loving and that there's no indication and evidence of that love within us, then we probably need to check and ask ourselves, is the Holy Spirit living in me? Because I am not living consistently according to what we read here. You know, John goes on to tell us in this passage that, that God is love. And, and it's kind of a weird, weird verse because you think, well, God is love. Well, sometimes we'd say, well, God is a loving God or God shows us love. But John doesn't say that here. John says that God is love. In, in other words, the definition of love is God. And God is love. Paul wrote in Romans 5.8 that, that God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's love. Love is giving without expecting something in return. Love is giving even when it's not deserved. Love is giving even when sometimes it's thrown back in our faces. And Paul tells us that God loved us even when we were unworthy, even when we didn't deserve it, we didn't expect it, and nobody would have expected it to happen that way. When we look at Jesus, we see the Father, and as Paul wrote in Colossians 1.15, the Son is the image of the invisible God. So in other words, when we see Jesus, we see the Father. And if the Father, if God is love, then when we see God, we see love. And so it would seem to follow that if, if we look at Jesus and we see the Father, then those of us who claim to have a belief and a faith in, in Jesus Christ, when people look at us, then they should see Jesus, right? They, they should see that love that is defining of God. I think part of the problem is that when we ask ourselves what a definition is of something is that we look everywhere else but to God, even with love. And I think we see this in our culture. We want to understand love, so we look to the people around us. We look at what the news says. We look at what our culture says. And instead, we should be looking to God and saying, if I want to know what true love is, then I need to look and see God because as John says here, God is love. And so he's the definition for me. If I'm looking to define love any other place than God, then I'm falling short. And the definition that's going to come to me is going to pale in comparison to what I will see when I say God. But again, Christians in the church have not given people a compelling reason 
to look to God to understand love. And so while, while I, don't, I won't sit here and criticize people for that, I understand. I get it. Like, we have not done a great job within the church to say, hey, let me tell you, this is my God, He is love, and now I'm going to go about my business, and you won't see any of that love in me. Are we living in such a way that people see that love? I think things would be far different if we were, if the church of Jesus Christ was really living out that message. If they saw love in us, would they see a compelling reason to listen to who Jesus is and who God is? The thing is, God does not change. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Scripture tells us that. But our surroundings do. And so if we're looking to our surroundings to give us a description and a definition of what love is, it's always going to change. It's going to be ever reforming and being reshaped. But if we look to God to define love for us, then it won't change because God doesn't change. In verse 18 of this passage, John writes, There's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. And the one who fears is not made perfect in love. John gives us a truth that's important for us to hang on to. There is no fear in love, and perfect love drives out fear. Fear and love don't mix. If we love someone, we shouldn't find them fearful, and we shouldn't be fearful of them. And again, I think the fear of God is a very different thing than than the fear that John's talking about here. To be mortified and scared of someone. If, if somebody truly loves us, then we shouldn't feel that fear in us. Fear and love, they can't occupy the same space. And fear has to do with punishment. That's not part of who God is or who we should be. We shouldn't be punishing people. Yes, there's a judgment. God talks about that. We see that in his word. There will be a judgment for the things that have been done. But this idea of punishment that comes at the hands of people who claim love, it's not consistent with what the message is here. And not only is fear not from God, but if we give ourselves over to fear, then we're not being made perfect in love. Now look, we've done a whole series on fear and being afraid. And so the acknowledgement here is, yeah, sometimes we're afraid. Sometimes we're fearful. But if we are paralyzed by fear, gripped by fear, completely like lost in fear, then we've got to ask ourselves again, is the Holy Spirit doing the work in me that needs to be done? Or am I believing more in that fear than the love that God has shown me? The whole, if the Holy Spirit resides in us, then we have power to overcome fear. We have power to move past that. And God living in us will result in us loving others. And John's message is hard-hitting here. I mean, he says, you, you can't love God and, and hate your brother. 
You can't say, hey, the love of God is within me and then say, but not for you or, or for you or for you. John explains it, I think, easily. He says, if we don't love our brothers and sisters who we can see, how can we possibly love God whom we can't see? We can't say, well, I see you, but I don't love you, but I don't see God and I love him. You see this connection there that John's making? That love that God has shown to us when we didn't deserve it, that reckless love that we sang about earlier, that doesn't make sense to us. That should be something that changes us, that shapes us, that forms us, because love is contagious and it should spread. It shouldn't stop. And so if love stops at us, we're doing something wrong. If people don't see that love in us, then something is wrong. And if we're really disciples of Jesus, if we claim that the Spirit is within us and that we love God, we're commanded to love our brothers and sisters. It's not a recommendation. I mean, John's not saying, hey, you know what? Love God, and while you're at it, you may think about loving other people. No. I mean, he's not that, like, wishy-washy with. He's saying, love your brother and sister. Love them in such a way that they can see the love of Christ. If, if we look to Jesus to see the Father, then people should look to us to see Jesus. And if they're not seeing Jesus in the love that we show, then we've got to ask ourselves, are we doing something wrong? Because that's not the message here. You know, Christians should be known by our love. There was a it was one of the weirdest songs that I grew up singing called They'll Know We Are Christians by Our Love. It was a great message, but it was the weirdest melody ever. Um, if anyone knows that song, then you know totally what I'm talking about. But like, I'm like, how can I love a song and hate a song all at the same time? Um, it was just weird, but the message has stuck with me, and I've thought over and over again, they'll know we are Christians by our love. Is that really what people know the church of Jesus Christ does? Do they know us as love? I guarantee you that if we were to do a man-on-the-street interview with people and uh, it wasn't like in the vicinity of a church and we said, hey, uh, when you think about the church, what's the first word that is used that you would use to describe it? I don't think that even among the top five answers, um, love would be there. I think there would be words like uh, judgmental, hypocritical, all kinds of things like that. And again, I don't think that this message of love means that we disregard what else Scripture tells us. We don't say, okay, well, we don't talk about sin then. It's like we don't talk about Bruno, we don't talk about sin, right? No, we, we don't talk about sin. Yes, we do. You don't have to say, well, well we only have to talk about love. Because sin is an even bigger picture of why God, how God loves us and what that love is. Because even despite our sin, as Paul said, he still loved us. And so, yeah, we can still talk about those things. We can still speak the truth. But it does mean that when we talk about love, that we talk about it as evidence of the Holy Spirit living within us. Jesus shows us the Father, and we should show people Jesus. 
I think if we loved people first, how much differently would people hear our message? If, if our message was consistent with our actions, would people hear that message differently? I kind of think they would. If people loved first, if the church loved first, how much would that characterize us? And again, it feels impossible. Drew and I were talking earlier about how there are certain times when we, we look at something that's so ominous of a task that we think to ourselves, how on earth can we even like, begin to tackle this? Honestly, like this idea that the church has not necessarily been known by love, it feels somewhat ominous to me. It feels like how on earth do we tackle that? But I think if we begin to, to live that out in, in such a way that it characterizes us, people would say, okay, there's something different here. Instead of saying, well, you suck at it, you suck at it, you suck at it, say, hey, I, I'm not even going to, I'm going to disregard what else I'm seeing. I'm just going to worry about me and us as a community. Are we living that out in such a way that people see Jesus? Because I think if we loved people first, people would see it before they hear it. Hey, again, hear what I'm not saying there. I'm not saying that we don't tell people about Jesus, but if we're not showing them Jesus before we tell them Jesus, it's not going to matter. They're, they're not going to hear that message until they see that message. And then if they see that message, I think that we'll have the credibility to be able to say, hey, now that you've seen it, let me speak it to you. Let me tell you. And one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture, 1 Peter, that I think we, and I've said this before, we leave part of it out, but always be prepared to give an answer when asked for the truth that is within you. Christians have been notoriously good at giving people answers when they're not asking. And we need to do better. We need to get better at that and say, hey, guess what? I'm prepared to give an answer. I'm going to live this love out in such a way that you'll ask me, what's wrong with you? Why do you do this? And then I can point to Jesus and say, because he did it. Because he did it for me. And so what do we do with all this? One question to ask ourselves is, are, are you preoccupied by fear? Is fear gripping you? And if it is, have we taken the time to say, God, this fear, and honestly, like seriously, I, I don't know a parent who this past week sent their kid off to school on Wednesday without some fear in them. I, I know some kids who are fearful of that. Like fear is real. But in the midst of that, are we trusting that God will give us not a, not a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind. I'm not saying that we completely disregard fear and we just go, you know, like a bull charging into every situation. But is there comfort in that fear that we inevitably face? Second two questions are this. How do people know that you love them? They're not going to know if they're fearful of you, right? 
but how do people know that we love them? And then finally, how how do people know that there's something different about us? Do they see love of Jesus, the love of Jesus Christ in us? And is there something different? We're not supposed to be evoking fear from people. And again, hear what I'm don't hear what I'm not saying there. That that doesn't mean that we shirk our responsibilities to speak the whole truth. The whole truth is still there, but sometimes, like, look, you don't, all of us know, I think, inherently, that sometimes there are topics that are just not appropriate to broach at certain times. Have we earned that right to be able to talk about things? By living in such a way that people say, hey, I know you're a Christian because of your love. Hey, let's move to that place. And you know what? Like, if nobody else is doing that, I don't care. (laughs) Like, I don't want to necessarily, you know, say, hey, we'll be different than the cool kids or whatever. Like, let's start a trend. Like, what would that look like? For us to start a trend as the branch in Ashland and then spreading to the other different expressions of the body of Christ here in this place. And it begins to go out from there. I'm all about grassroots. (laughs) Can we be a grassroots movement of love that shows people Jesus in such a way (laughs) that they realize that in the midst of fearful times, in the midst of fearful moments, that there is a spirit that can come to them who is not a spirit of fear, but of love, of power that can fight against that fear. Let me pray for us. Father, you have given us a spirit of power and of love. And and Father, that means power beyond our strength and love beyond our strength and our power. And so I pray, God, that you would remind us in the moments, it is so easy for me to be cap- completely hijacked. Social media, conversations, other things. Hijacked by things that are not loving. By things that are driven by fear. But I pray, God, that your spirit within me would conquer and fight against those things. And that God, in the midst of, of the pain and the hurt and the grief and all the things that we experience in this broken and lost world, that God, the love that you have shown to us through Jesus Christ would be evident to the people around us. May they see Jesus, I pray in your name. Amen. So do people see your love for them? It's not always easy to love first, but that's what we're called to do, commanded to do even. Let's go live that message of Jesus, the message of love to those around us. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you have any comments or questions, please email us at thebranchashland at gmail.com. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe, leave us a review, and share with your family and friends wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening. 
See you next time.